In an era when America is struggling to redefine itself, Camille Brown is as courageous as they come. Her list of awards is impressive and lengthy, including four Princess Grace Awards, the Jacobs Pillow Dance Award, and the Guggenheim, Ford Foundation, and TED Fellowships. Camille's bold work taps into both ancestral stories and contemporary culture to capture a range of deeply personal experiences. Stereotypes are always connected to the body. If I said video vixen, what is a video vixen? Just describe it in a look. Somebody would go right into the pose or a thug. Social dance and gestures provide ways to to hold mirrors up to people sometimes and to make them think hopefully about how they're perceiving other people. Having now cemented her place in the worlds of Broadway and pop culture, it is Camille's driving passion to instill curiosity and reflection in diverse audiences through her emotionally raw and thought-provoking work. I'm Nick Kepley, and this is In Step. Join me today for a deep and rich conversation with the incredibly wise and passionate Camille A. Brown. Um, well, Camille, welcome to In Step. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, the first question that I always like to ask is just how did dance find its way into your life? Oh, how did dance <laughs> find its way into my life? Uh, through television. I loved Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson videos. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up uh, in the 80s, I don't know if you remember, but NBC would air Michael Jackson videos at like 8 p.m. So I would rush and watch it and try to learn the dance moves. And my mom also loves musicals. So she would um, show me all of her favorite dance scenes from like Sweet Charity, Unsinkable Molly Brown, Mm -hmm. Dream Girls, like everything. Mm -hmm. And I would learn from there. So pretty much through through the television screen. And I used to make up dances to cartoons. Mm -hmm. The opening credits is kind of embarrassing but like the gummy bears care bears the smurfs i was doing routines uh before <laughs> the op- during the opening credits and then i would sit down and watch the cartoon that's if i did that too actually you did yeah. oh okay i'm not the only yeah, one okay because yeah. <laughs> every time i say that everyone's like oh okay no, totally. i used nice. to do the saturday morning like after these messages yeah, yeah yeah and then you get up and do your thing and then yeah. you sit down yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> and and when did you actually go into like formal training for dance? Uh, well, I went. My mom put me in dance school, so I'm originally from Jamaica, Queens. Okay. So she took me to Bernie Johnson Cultural Dance Center on Jamaica Avenue. So I took. I started when I was four, mm-hmm. and I took tap and ballet, and then then I went to LaGuardia High School. Uh, which is also known as the fame school. So that's pretty much how I started, like, the formal training. Okay. Yeah. And when did you, well, you said you used to choreograph since you were a kid, but Mm -hmm. when did you start to actually look at that as being something you wanted to maybe do professionally or, you know, kind of move into that? Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Now I know, looking back, it's like, oh, you were actually creating and choreographing and you were trying to express yourself. Uh, But I didn't necessarily know what it was because as a dancer, I was conditioned to just, give a line or give a shape or a movement for a choreographer. So I didn't really understand what showing or expressing my own voice was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Junior year of high school, I remember I kind of took it over, which was 
not very collaborative of me, but <laughs> uh, we were supposed to do like our junior projects and we all put um, a piece together and I kind of like became the director or something or maybe appointed myself not a collaborator at all. <laughs> but I think that was the start of me trying to um, put things together and make sense of things. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what I was doing mm-hmm. um, and stepping over everybody while I was doing it. Uh, and then it wasn't until I got to college that I understood it. And I always say that in the beginning, when I was in dance school, I was doing it for the love. And then around high school, I started becoming aware that it was not just about to the outside world. It was not just about the love of it. It was also about the business of it. Mm-hmm. Because while I had teachers who were helping me and, and correcting me, I also had teachers who I could, I could tell that were very dismissive of me because I didn't have the body type. Uh, so it was extremely frustrating, and it was a challenge, and that and that challenge followed me all the way through college. And when I first got to North Carolina School of the Arts, I actually wanted to leave because I thought it. I thought the idea of the ideal body was going to leave. Like you're starting something new, college, new experience. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Then I got sent to the nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, wow, okay, this is, still, this is still an issue. I can't get away from it. And I told my mom, well, I want to transfer. Maybe it's about going to another school. And she said, well, okay, you just got there. So why don't you just, in the meantime, we could talk about you transferring, but why don't you just finish the semester and in the meantime try to find something that you like doing. Mm-hmm. And before that moment, I didn't get composition and improv. I didn't understand what it was. I was like, this is crazy. I just want to do a step. Just give me something. And then it wasn't until my mom said that and I figured out what I can totally invest my time in that it's like, oh, wow, okay, composition, improv is an opportunity for me to create my own voice and my own space. And I always say, um, you know, it taught me that I don't have to wait for other people to tell me when I can dance. Mm-hmm. I can I can do that on my own. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear you say that because composition, it's starting to come more, I think, into curriculum, like mm-hmm. in schools. But choreography often isn't really taught. You yeah. Know? So but it's it sounds like it was lucky that it was. At oh, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, every year we had to do something major in terms of composition. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily know that it was something I can do as a career though because even though we had composition improv my mind was still focused on being a dancer Mm -hmm. um and there weren't any classes and that's the thing about being a choreographer I don't know and I could be wrong but I don't know if there are classes that show that teach you about the business of being a choreographer and the leadership and the communication and all the things that come to to leading a group and an mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. um i didn't we didn't have that we just had dance perspectives and things that were focusing on us being dancers right um well let's go ahead and dive into your process a little bit mm-hmm. um i know that you know from researching you before today that you're extremely passionate about your own research for your own work yeah. uh, and inspired by history and um i'd love to just hear you talk about that and, and sort of where you think that passion came from initially and and what inspires you to create yeah i love history I, i've always loved it it's mm-hmm. been one of my strongest subjects that in math um so the I, and I love watching like television and movies and 
and I go crazy over like period pieces mm-hmm. where you can go back in time and visit different time periods. I mean, I, I love that. So I've always loved history and diving. And, you know, I, as one of my teachers, Earl Mosley used to say, you know, you don't want to get caught in a trick bag. Mm. So if you know that this takes place during the 20s and you know something like the Charleston and other social dances are happening, not to say that you have to literally inject those exact moves, but I want to understand what that world was, what those social dances were, so then I can use them as a springboard. Mm. So it's the combination of me loving just going back and and researching, but also checking myself too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you first started making work, was that immediately where you came from, or were you were you first sort of just making like standard concert work, and then yeah, 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 it was standard concert work, and it wasn't until I started working with Diane McIntyre as a dancer around 2008 that I thought, whoa, okay, this is the kind of process I want to be in. Mm. She just and people always ask me like, well, what about her process? And it was. She was investigating the space. She was listening to people. She was going off of her instincts. She was okay with not knowing where to go, um, okay with stopping when we needed to stop, and she was stuck. I mean, it just opened me up to a new way of thinking because at first it was just, like you said, putting putting dances together, standard concert dance form. Mm-hmm. And when I was dancing with her, the piece was about Mississippi, but there are so many dimensions about Mississippi. And she, one of the ladies was actually from Mississippi, so she was pulling out stories, and that was inspiring Diane to create other things. So I was, I was just blown away, really, mm-hmm. by her process. Mm-hmm. And that's when I thought to myself, okay, that's the, that's the type of process you want. It's interesting because I feel like social dance is kind of making its way more and more into concert dance forms, like including ballet, like Justin mm-hmm. Peck at City Ballet has been mm-hmm. doing like a lot of tap influence. And mm-hmm. um, we have Caleb Teicher on the program who does swing. Yeah. And, um, is there something about that that combination that, that you feel is important? Or, you know, what is it about social dance that you that draws you to it or that you want to use it? Yeah, there's so much history in social dance. It tells you where you are. It tells you possibly what the, co- the political climate of the world was at that time just by how people are hitting stuff. Sometimes in different eras, people are hitting things harder than they would. Um, or sometimes it's a little ease back. So it just depends. And there's so much history that you can see in in the body and then just how social dance progresses when I started my formal training it was very clear even though I'm from Queens and I knew all the social dances it was very clear that social dances were meant for the outside Mm -hmm. and they weren't necessarily in in, um, technical things to do but now that I know and I've done my own research and, and aware that it actually is a technique and I always say when someone does the running man, if someone came in and did the running man and they did it wrong, you would know that's not the running man. That means that there's a technique. You identify with a way of the person's moving. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I watched at your TEDx talk um, where you told the story about um, when you did Black Girl Linguistic Play. Oh, yes. And the response that yeah. the audience get. Will you tell that story? Yes. So uh, we were talking to a school of teenagers And I was backstage, and two of my dancers were talking with them. And we didn't, we hadn't, um, 
we hadn't premiered Black Girl. I was still in the process of working on it. So what I wanted to do before the sh- before I showed the work was ask the audience, "What do you think when you when you hear the phrase Black Girl?" Uh, and people started shouting out things and we've done this before and sometimes they're negative and sometimes they're very positive but this particular time it seemed like everything was negative and there was a tone to it that I thought wow okay I know we're in the middle mid-east but maybe this is a room full of black kids just kind of indicting the stereotype because they're so confident in what they're saying so I took a peek and it was all white teenagers saying that and they were also mimicking what they thought black stereotypes like gestures were and uh I didn't know what to do I didn't I didn't want to go on stage that that was I love being on stage there's nothing like it and that was one of the few times that I didn't want to go out because I I didn't know how to express myself I knew that there was a teaching moment but I didn't know what the approach was. But then something told me, okay, well, why don't you just do the dance the way you've created it and then ask the question. So I went out and I did the gestures and I did it. And the thing that I was fearful is because they were mimic some of the gestures they were mimicking I actually had in the dance. Mm-hmm. But I also had to remind myself that they are doing a stereotype and I am doing the the what is the authenticity of that. Uh, and nobody can show that but you. Yeah. So I went out and I did it. And then afterwards I asked them again, uh, what did they see? And then they started saying play and uh, joy and love. And and I asked them, okay, well, why weren't those the first things that you said earlier on? And they didn't know how to answer the question. So it's, and I think that's the other reason why gesture and social dance are important because it can possibly shift people's thinking. Um, stereotypes are always connected to the body. If I said video vixen, what is a video vixen? Just describe it in a look. Somebody would go right into the pose or a thug. Uh, and social dance and gestures provide ways to, to hold mirrors up to people sometimes mm-hmm. and to make them think hopefully about how they're perceiving other people. And how do you enter in, into that conversation about, like you said, how, you know, stereotypes do originate from somewhere, you know, like, like you had those moves in the piece. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, ha- how do you frame that conversation with your audience where you're saying, you know, these are, this is the original, this is where it's coming from, but we're not, we're more than that. Well, it actually came from people's perception. It didn't. It wasn't anything that black people made up. Sometimes on the when the enslaved Africans were on the plantation, sometimes they used the idea of not working as an act of resistance. Uh, but on the flip side, some of the quote unquote masters would look at that and go, "Oh, they're lazy, or they're slow." Um, you know, you're coming from a time where the Middle Passage people were mixed up. There were uh, people from Africans from different countries that didn't understand. They couldn't communicate with each other. And then they get to the New World, and there's a different, there's a, a kind of a new language that you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. But from the other side, oh, they're lazy. They they they're stupid. They're 
So these are kind of not all of the stereotypes and not the only way the stereotypes were uh, created, but this is kind of how, how it starts. Mm-hmm. And the way you open the conversation is just just say what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I mean, and that's why I think it's important for me to have dialogues after some of my shows, not all, not all of them, but specifically the piece, Mr. Tolerance, about stereotypes. It was important for me to talk to the audience and um, not, and it wasn't about them liking it or not, because, right. you know, you can like it, you know, it's mm-hmm. fine. Right. But it's more about how did this piece make you feel and what were the things that came up for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love that. I mean, I really yeah. love your outlook on audience engagement because I, I mean, that's kind of missing a lot of times in performance. You just sit down, watch politely, and then leave. Yeah. Or, you know, it's nice to, like, engage. And um, it's also so important. I mean, I I, um, I feel like that this is such a big moment in America for, all, for these conversations, obviously. But such a challenge of it can be whether you come to a conversation with a genuine interest in, like, understanding and even having your mind changed, Mm -hmm. you know, versus just coming to a conversation wanting the other person to see your point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you agree? Like that's, I feel like that's part of the challenge of having these really, we need to talk about these things, but it can be really hard. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten pushback from audience members. Uh, the, the piece black girl is about play and black girl joy or just the humanity of being a black girl. And one older white man proceeded to say that we were in jail, we were in the ghetto, we were trying to get out. And I was just like, how did you get all of that from us just standing there and doing a phrase? Right. (laughs) You got all, you know, so at that point it's like, oh, you're coming in with other stuff. Uh This doesn't even have anything to do with us. Mm -hmm. So I think also the dialogue is kind of putting showing revealing people when they don't even they don't he didn't even realize what he was saying right um and i've actually started to pull back on having dialogues because there have been times when you know we provide a space for people to share their truth and in doing that um sometimes people are extremely offensive when they don't mean to be right uh and i feel like I always tell my dancers and my musicians when they come out to do these dialogues, it's always optional, uh, but they have all come out every time. And because of that, I feel as the director and as the leader that I have to protect them when certain things are coming at us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's also extremely exhausting. And so I needed to take a break. Uh, And I actually got a leadership coach because of it. Mm. I wanted I wanted to work on being the best leader I could, but I also knew that I needed help. I wanted to have these conversations, but I needed help navigating the stuff that was coming at me because I didn't want to react. Well, I definitely say thank you for being someone that holds space like that. I mean, I, I totally hear you that that must be very tiring yeah (laughs) um and and um and not always easy to do but I just think conversations like that are just so important I I think that 
that's the only thing that's going to move forward. You know, yeah. it, can, it can be so easy to skirt on the outside, yeah. but the only way is through, you mm-hmm. know, like, and so, I mean, I really just like admire you for that. Thank you. Genuinely. Thanks, yeah. Um, and it's so weird because I'm really shy, extremely shy, but for some reason I have a need to have a conversation with people on stage about topics of the of, of, of the world. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what point in your career did that start to come out in you? Like, at what, at what moment were you like, I think I can use dance to do this? With uh, Tolerance, when we were talking about... Uh, st- that, that piece is about black stereotypes in the media. We talk about minstrelsy, and we also talk about reality TV shows because I choreographed it in 2011, and... I felt like around that time was the height of like reality TV uh, and I saw a lot of like fighting and people cursing and it was like this new thing that people just couldn't get enough of. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, this is the way through the body, through gesture, through social dance, this is the way I can communicate what I'm feeling about these things. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting too what you said about how that person had those preconceived notions from just movement, you mm-hmm. know, like, cause that really does sort of highlight that it is their own thing that they're bringing. Cause, yeah. you, cause you're not speaking, you know, yeah. you're, you're moving and they're adding this story on top yeah. of it. So that's, it's interesting to sort of distill it in that way. Yeah. Like through just movement. It's like we're performing for the audience, but it can't be about the audience. Yeah. Right. It's gotta be about us and we have to stand on one accord and we have to be okay if people get it or don't get it. You always hope that they get it because why are you performing in the first place? But if they don't, it's okay. And hopefully that person will think and circle back and maybe think, what was that about? Broadway Dance Lab recently awarded creation grants to choreographers Kristen Carsoni, John Carafa, and Helen Simino. Through this grant, as part of BDL's summer cycle, Each choreographer will be gifted 20 hours of rehearsal in large, pull-free studios with a company of 12 dancers. This private, creative time is why BDL was founded and remains the passionate commitment that drives us. To learn more about all BDL has to offer and to apply to work with us, please visit broadwaydancelab.org. InStep will be right back. I'm curious, like, because as a gay man, a big part of my journey has been sort of when I first came out, it was very much about that I am equal, that I can get married, that I, you know, because it was before gay marriage passed, like, I can get married, I can have a child, I can do everything a straight person can do, and I should be given all those same, you know, rights. And then I recently read this book, um, I think it's called How to Be Gay, actually, it was written by, like, a Michigan professor, and it talks about the importance of reclaiming gay culture mm-hmm. like and how in the age of dating apps that gay clubs are kind of starting to disappear and also because it's just more accepted like you know you don't really need to have necessarily a separate place to be gay right. you can just be gay wherever mm-hmm. um but how like there is something unique to that experience and there is something needed as a gay man and I feel this for sure like to have like a mentor who's gay or to be around other gay men or there, there's certain things that only gay people understand mm-hmm. of that experience, you mm-hmm. know, like, so, so, so in like, how do you feel about that in the overall conversation of like cultural 
diversity and mm-hmm. like how do we you know how do you look at balancing uh equality and difference in like one moment because sometimes I feel like so such a big important part of that conversation is that we are there is difference Mm -hmm. you know and it's how do you have difference and learn from each other and live together with sameness but with difference at the same time does that make sense yeah I'm gonna try Mm -hmm. to answer it based off of two works that I created uh ink which I just did uh which is about black people reclaim just what you were saying reclaiming their narratives mm-hmm. and that's why it's called ink because you're literally like writing out the stuff that people told you you were or were not and writing in what you know yourself to be and black girl and I, and I wanted black girl to be something that was speaking directly to black girls but also universal mm-hmm. to show that black girls are just like any other girls they grow up, they get, they have puberty. They, if they're sisters or older sisters, you know, they have fights. They're in, they into outside perception, inside perception, going through these things of maturing. Uh, love, pain, joy is all there, just like anybody else. Uh, and I really tried to push that idea of being universal. And then I got to ink, and. I didn't care so much about whether people were getting it or not. Because at that point, it was getting very specific. Not that I wasn't being specific in black girl, but I was more conscious of kind of this duality. Mm -hmm. And then in ink, it was like, this is, they call, have you ever heard of FUBU? No. It's it's an acronym for For Us, By Us. Okay. So I was in that mode. Like, this is for black people, by black people. This is, you know, some people aren't going to get it. There are a lot of gestures that um, sometimes only black people know. Mm -hmm. And people say the way you um, get to something being universal is when you are specific about something. And so that's what I wanted black girl to be. Mm -hmm. Like, extremely culturally specific. But then looking at it from a place that anybody, regardless of whether you're black or a girl, could look and go, oh, I know that. Because we've all been children. We've, we've had different um, ways of growing up, but we, we all have that meeting place. It's also that the white experience is what's so often shown to us, you know, through media and through yeah. TV and film. So, so it's, it's that... It's that you're seeing subconsciously. I think you're you're learning that like that's the like norm and like yeah. the, you know. But I f- it seems like what you're trying to do is bring forward that like this different experience is as normal as that. It's just different, and you just yeah. haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's <laughs> through, through the lens of a black girl, right? And how many times have you sat? I, I mean, there have been more often than not. I've sat in a movie that is considered for everyone, but it's an all white cast. Right. But I am supposed to find myself in there. Right. And this was an opportunity for me to create a space where now you have to find yourself in our story. Mm-hmm. And you can't say you don't know what it's about because all of the stuff we're talking about is universal. 
I'm going to read a quote from your uh, website about your performance. <laughs> it's about your performers. Oh, yeah, it's okay. about your performers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to talk about sort of how you look for them and, and how you approach that. So it says, uh, these opportunities are possible because of the serious movers and incredible performers in the company who are able to act and dance, step into the world of history, and come soaring into the present. Yeah. And I'm just curious, um, you know, I'm sure that you have a very particular person you're looking for when you audition people just like all choreographers do mm-hmm. but do you ensure that they have a similar passion for all for this as you do before yeah. you hire them or is that yeah. something yeah no they have to or at least an interest right and how do you how do you go about like assessing that in them <laughs> I watch people for a long time the youngest person in my company I believe is 30 wow yeah so I'm looking at people because uh, you're at a different place mentally mm-hmm. sometimes when you're older. Mm-hmm. And I think where I'm asking people to go requires you to have been on this earth a little longer longer, and to have lived real life. And sometimes when you're young, you have lived that. So I'm, so I'm not, I don't want to generalize it too much. Um, but yeah, I definitely look for people that are willing to dive in and, be dangerous because every time I step into a piece, I try to create a new language. You still should see Camille, but it's a different world. So when you step into tolerance, you go, this is to- this is the movement language for tolerance. This is the movement language for ink. I can tell distinctly which, which ones they are. So they have to be willing to take chances the way I am taking chances and putting myself out there and being willing to fly or fail. Uh, Also, people are willing to have conversations, real conversations, and sit down and actually figure out what are we doing with our bodies and and what, how how are they really responding to that. So Mm -hmm. it's not me coming into a space and showing someone, oh, 20 steps, and then you not understanding why it's like what are your stories so I always credit and now I've started to credit directed and in collaboration with because it is about collaborating with the dancers and I'm not saying the dancers are choreographing it's very different I'm what I'm saying is I'm asking the dancers to make choices based off of my movements Mm -hmm. which is which is very different and I I need it's important for me in the space to have people who are able to give choices because I feel like that's that's the joy of working with actors is because that's what they do. They give choices. Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And that's when I look, I really look at my dancers as actors. You have to have the ability to lay out a choice. Okay, that choice doesn't work. Let's try another choice. Okay. So you have to be open and willing and ready. And I also like people who have a sense of humor because I tend to run jokes into the ground. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I ask people to repeat things and, you know, they do the, play the scenarios and stuff. And we all, like, as a company, we love laughing. I uh. mean, we're we're all really great friends, too, uh. which is wonderful. Uh, but, yeah, you have to, if you don't have a sense of humor, you are not going to last. Right. <laughs> it just won't work. Yeah. And so just from, like, a technical standpoint, it, is the way that you work usually coming in and showing the steps and mm-hmm. they learn from you? Or is it, like, improvisational exercises? Or how do you sort of build the actual movement structure of the piece? It depends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll come in. Oh, actually, just today, I uh, when I was first working with the actors, I said, um, I asked them not to, not to ask questions 
right now just at the start because I told them every answer is going to be I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I have accepted that it's okay for you to not know what the next thing is. Or it's even okay for you to not know what you're going to do when you walk in the door. As long as you have people that are willing to go, okay, well, let's try something. Yeah, that's such an interesting difference. I'm sure you found this too, like between theater and concert dance. Mm-hmm. It's like in theater, you do like all this prep work. Like there's this need to sort of have everything figured out before yeah. the performer walks in the door. Mm-hmm. And I understand that from the point of view of like rehearsal time is limited and time is money and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, rehearsal time is limited in concert dance too. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in theater, there's so much pressure to do pre-pro and to have everything like really figured out you know I mean do you find that and how have you like navigated that yourself yeah there is pressure to do pre-pro but I also because I am inspired by the people the actual people in the room I still leave space for us for it to shift and to change and to morph I mean today I had no idea what I was gonna do (laughs) I knew that it was took place in the the scene was in Fifty uh, Club Fifty Four and Darko wanted this idea like an if if it was uh, Egyptian night, so everything was very like pyramid kind of Egyptian. I knew that, and it wasn't until we actually got in the space and I saw them and how they were responding to it that I started getting these ideas and it coming together. I think the pressure with concert dance sometimes is that we as choreographers maybe more often than not feel like we have to dish out a new piece every year. Sometimes we want to dish it out, but you know, it's there, there's this fear. Um, this, there's this pressure to have something, get it right. So I think that both concert dance and theater have their ways about kind of pressure and pushing things out and taking time, but kind of like pushing the pedal on the metal or is that pedal, metal, and pedal? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's very different. Right. Yeah. How do you, uh, is it ever a struggle or how is the transition to move from like running your own company where you can just do whatever the heck you want at any moment to like the highly collaborative world of, of Broadway and musical theater? Is- it's very humbling. You, and I'm not working with the same director in every project, so I'm learning about that person and also learning about myself in collaboration with that person every time. But it's also a teaching moment for me because I'm able to, it's helping me hone my skills as a collaborator. The better I can be of service to the director's vision, I believe the clearer I'm able to express my vision to my collaborators. Uh, that makes sense. It does, yeah. And do you do you find that you, I would assume it leads you to make choices that you would not normally make on your own. Has it has it changed anything about the way you go back and create concert dance work? Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, I mean, just in terms of having different perspectives in the room mm-hmm. and seeing different ways, different formulas, it's really helped because. I can look at my work maybe 10 years ago and see that I was I have always been inspired by theater and have injected it in everything. Something it always had something to do with a character. Mm. But I could also see that I didn't necessarily understand how to create that narrative. And now being a part of 
theater where it's all about the story and the narrative and the arc has helped me become a better choreographer in my concert dance because now the more experience I get here, the stronger, I, I believe, the stronger my concert dance work is because like, oh, that's what I've been trying to do. Oh, okay, this is how, this is how you create a story. This is the build. This is the, what is the climb, the pace. Okay, I understand. Um, what is the beginning? What is the middle? What is the end? What do you want people to take away from this? These are questions that I, we didn't really talk about in composition improv. Right. Yeah. If you are enjoying this conversation and would like to hear more, you can always access our previous episodes on Apple iTunes. While you're there, we'd love for you to hit subscribe, rate the program, and leave a comment. This helps other listeners discover us. Thank you. InStep will be right back. I want to quickly touch on Jesus Christ Superstar because yes. I'm very. That was your first TV. Oh my goodness, yes. So what was that like? <gasps> well, I thought it was a joke. The <laughs> idea of me choreographing this show. Okay. <laughs> I thought when my agent <laughs> he said, "Are you sitting down?" I was like, "Yeah," and he said, "Are you interested in choreographing the live special of Jesus Christ Superstar?" And I said, "What?" <laughs> And they said that the the producers and director David Laveau, um, they were interested in me doing it. And um, I said, of course, but I was scared out of my mind uh. because I was watching these musicals this time last year and thinking, wow, it would really be great to choreograph something like that. That's not going to happen anytime soon because I don't have any experience and I'm going to have to build my way up to that. And then fast forward, and you're doing it. So I was I was extremely nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like once on this island, I I had this this fear. Uh, I think I think I always have fear in the beginning, and I never. It it's stressful, but I also like that I have fear because I never want to walk into something thinking, oh, I just have it all together. It's like it's that it's that danger that still keeps you humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus Christ, that was one of the best experiences that I've had in theater. I learned a whole lot in a very short amount of time. Yeah, how long was the process? We started in mid-February, and it was broadcast on April 1st, so about six weeks. And did you just build the numbers as if as if you were facing front and then just film them, or how did, like, how did the, that work? Yeah, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, so I had to, and I, and I said, I told people, I said, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just going to act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so that's what I, I did, and, and I was also working with David uh, and collaborating with him, and the idea was to put up this theatrical show uh so i i did what i what i knew and then mm-hmm. when we got to set then it became about the camera and the angles and what people are seeing and the and the narrative the story that you're telling so that's when i really had to learn very quickly mm-hmm. about, about those things but i have to say it wasn't a situation where i mean all of my collaborators are tony this emmy that grammy this and they could have really made me feel 
like a kid fresh out of water mm-hmm. or a fish or whatever that yeah. saying is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but they didn't. Uh-huh. Do you feel like you'd like to do more of that? I would like to do more of it. I definitely would like to do more of it. I feel like I learned so much, and I would like to see now, okay, after you've learned all this stuff, now you're starting knowing stuff now. Mm-hmm. How would you approach it? I mean, that's how I got started. When I, when I remember in the very beginning, I said, how did dance come to you? And it's through television, and here I am choreographing for television. So right. it's it's unbelievable when people tell me, oh, our students are learning the combinations to Jesus Christ Superstar. And I just think it's so surreal because I remember doing that with other musicals. So, Yeah, I know. And you think there's going to be this grand moment when you, like, arrive. Yeah. But I think actually what happens is you just look back and you're like, oh, I think, I mean, not that I know, but, like, (laughs) it seems like you're just like, oh, I think it happened or, you know, like it's not, there's not a a day when you wake up and you're like, now I'm officially a choreographer. Like, you know, know. I don't think that either because there are so many, for me, there are ups, there's so many ups and downs Mm -hmm. that one day I can feel like I'm on top of the world. And then the next day it's I'm underneath in the subway. You know, it just depends on, it's, it's life and you have your ups and your highs and you have your lows and, I don't think there is ever a moment when you arrive Mm -hmm. and I don't ever want to think I have arrived because really what is that when we talk about success like what is the idea of success is it the amount of grants or awards you get or is it the fact that you're able to do what you love doing right um well, very quickly I I have like so many things I'd love to talk to you about but um (laughs) I um I'm just curious, you know, you kind of touched on this earlier, the sort of the fatigue factor of making work that is so passionate is so that does stir up so many feelings in people. And I'm curious for you, like, how do you stay energized? Like when you need to refuel, what do you do? I don't know. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm I'm exhausted. I love what I'm doing. And that's part of. My fear, I was just talking to one of my mentors today saying that I'm really happy and it's exciting that I'm getting a lot of interest and opportunities. But my fear is that in doing so, I burn out. And I've always told myself, walk out creating solid work, quote unquote solid work, whatever that is for you. And in my mental exhaustion I'm hoping that I can still push through and create that so I'm still figuring that out I think self-care is probably harder than creating work because that even takes work it's mm-hmm. a, it's an effort for you to care about yourself uh, especially when you're dealing with the arts as a business because sometimes people are just only looking at your product or your brand and they're not looking at, wow, that person hasn't had sleep in two days. <laughs> so you have to work to say, I can't do this. And that's hard. And when you look back at, at young Camille when you were first starting, like what's, a, what's one piece of advice that you would give to her? Don't, don't, believe, <laughs> don't believe the hype. Uh, <laughs> Don't believe that 
the only way to success is to have quote unquote the ideal body and yeah don't believe that you have to always fit into someone else's vision of how a dancer should be or act you got this that's what I would say and sometimes I even have to remind myself today (laughs) the same thing the same thing yeah you know Mm because you're some I mean I'm I'm my my work is social dance and tap. I mean, it's a, an amalgamation of a lot of things, but we're still dealing with the higher hierarchy of ballet and modern being at the at the top. So even at thirty eight, with my own company working in theater, I still have to remind myself that not to believe the hype. Well, thank you so much for being here. I I really genuinely want to thank you for everything that you were doing. And in the midst of your fatigue, I want you to know that it really touches people, including myself, and that I just think it's so necessary and so brave and so strong of you to do. Thank you, Nick. And so I really thank you. Thank you, Nick. InStep is produced by Broadway Dance Lab and recorded, edited, and hosted by Nick Kepley. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Bway Dance Lab and online at broadwaydancelab.org.